Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. As a private school attendee, I thrived at the art of fitting in. It was my comfort place. I had no problem in trying to be like everybody else. And whether that meant copying makeup trends out of magazines or even conforming my already conformed school uniform to fit like that of the popular girls, the world was my Regina George and I was an eternal Gretchen Wiener. Now, while I feared standing out too much at the record label wouldn't be good for me, I knew that there was a risk of getting dropped if my name wasn't at least at the bottom of someone else's priority list. So I did the only thing I knew how to do that would guarantee this record label office would become my personal cheers, where everyone would know my goddamn name. I delivered homemade baked goods. Yeah, my big artist move as a 17-year-old pop star wannabe was not to wow them with my voice or vision or songs. It was to quietly win them over with lemon bars. Now, a few months later, at a lunch with two of the male representatives from the label, I got called what most 17-year-olds would find devastating. Boring. B-O-R-I-N-G. Boring. Indirectly, these two much older men were going back and forth, pontificating their amazement of how all of the women currently signed to the label were just so incredibly boring. And I just sat there silently with my napkin in my lap, being sure to remember that my drink was on my right and my bread plate was on my left. My friends at the time were revolted at the mere thought that I was boring. Secretly, I think, wondering what that might mean about them. So we decided to take an innocent road trip to Vegas. 
Now, the retelling of our sins of Sin City just wasn't enough to ensure that I was not boring. No, I knew that I had to make a bigger statement to reinvent myself. So I went red. I dyed my hair red, and not Jessica Chastain red, but mid-thousands, emo, unnaturally red. And suddenly, I was that girl Candace with the red hair. At the label, they remembered me. At parties, I wasn't, who are you again? I was, oh, I remember you, the girl with the red hair. Yeah, this was the new me. This was the LA me. Well, the funny thing about reinventing yourself is that you should probably start with the core of, well, yourself. It doesn't usually go well when your reinvention is based on trying to become what you think other people want you to be. I'd have my red hair for about four years. And while that period of my life has a lot of unforgettable moments, to be honest, a lot of things occurred that I'm not too thrilled to remember. And by the time I started going back to some form of my natural roots, which is a version of a blonde, I had been dropped from the label. My career as a backup singer had abruptly ended, and so had my relationship I was in at the time. Without a job and with my financials running low, I wondered what was next. And instead of asking what anyone else thought I should do, I asked myself what I wanted to do. And I felt if I was ever going to give acting a try, this was the time. And I'm okay with that. Because if I had everything figured out, how boring would that life be? Queen Herbie is anything but boring. She is a top independent rapper, writer of bops. Her song, F Myself, has kept me bopping in my car all of 2022. Please go listen to it. It is one of my favorite tunes, as well as the rest of her entire catalog. On Instagram, if you follow her, you'll also notice she's a bit of an all-around self-discovery guru. She's a proud Nebraska native and Berkeley College of Music graduate. You may recognize her voice from the viral pop duo Carmen, who hit the charts hard in 2011 with Broken Hearted. And now after reinventing herself as Queen Herbie, you can listen to her music anywhere you stream, and you can also turn into her weekly aura cleanses and podcast, House of Herbie, for inspiration on indulging your inner artist. I am a true, true fan. I am so ready to fucking indulge with bad bitch Queen Herbie. Like, the sunshine of my days this summer, like when I'm alone in the car just driving, you are just like my hype lady, just... Uh, just putting, you know, like light in my heart and a smile on my face. I am late to the game and really discovering your music, but I am leaning in hard. So uh, this is a big like fangirl moment for me. So thank you, Queen Herbie, for joining me today. I love you for that. Thank you. And I have to say the same for you. I'm super late to the game. I was like, oh, <laughs> let me go ahead and watch Vampire Diaries. Like, where the fuck have I been? Wait, have you been watching it? Yes, bitch. No. <laughs> your, your character is so, like, if I had to be an actress, I would want that character. It's so fun. She's very fun. That is what I've said. Um, uh, I don't know what part you're in, but she has, She. I was never bored. I'll just say it like that. Uh, there's. 
each season there was something really, really fun to tackle. It, it wasn't really she wasn't a one note character. So I loved it. And there were eight seasons. So uh, a lot it's of incredible. years of just not being bored. It was definitely a big gift. Um, but oh, my goodness, I'm so excited to talk to you about your just trajectory as a performer in music. I find it so fascinating because what you've been able to accomplish usually becomes such a roadblock for many, many artists out there, which is being swallowed up by the major label and then kind of, especially now in this last you know decade or two, kind of like drowning within the streaming world and um, mm. how like the how digital has really kind of changed the landscape of um, of making music and being able to make a living off of it really um but so are, if you're okay with it i'd love to just like jump right into the beginning of you know when when did you meet your partner um nick and when did you guys just start making music together because that in itself is uh to find someone else to say hey I dig you. And then like, hey, let's be emotionally vulnerable together and make music and then also just understand what the other person is doing. Like it's kind of like a like a um, songwriting soulmate is what I call it. Oh, yes. I love I love that. You know, all of this. I mean, a lot of people walk around like listening to music and they have no idea the kind of the weirdness of the industry, like how strange it's been. We've been in this huge transition. I'm sure film and TV is going through it now with Netflix and the streamings and all these things, but it's, um, but yeah, it's refreshing to see people like all of a sudden be like, Oh wait, you're independent. Like, what is that like? That's so interesting. And I think in the future, we're going to see a lot more artists really be independent only like exclusively. Cause it doesn't make sense to sign to a label as much as it used to. Um, we just watched the Elvis movie. Have you seen it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was just like, oh, wow, like none of these storylines surprise us anymore. So we've been through yeah. so much. Um, <laughs> my partner, Nick, and I met at Berkeley College of Music in, uh, wow, when was that? Well, before we blew up on YouTube, so it had to have been like early 2000s. Like we were like bopping to like Rihanna, you know, in the early yes. 2000s. And it was a college party. And I was like, uh, just getting, I was a wedding singer at the time. So I was just getting off work we had like sort of seen each other around campus and everybody at that party was lit and we ended up making out in the laundry room As in 2005. One That's the best makeouts <laughs> happen in bathrooms, laundry rooms, and elevators, you know? What is that? I know. <laughs> it's just this tiny enclosed space that you are like temporarily trapped in at one point. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, the, it's an intimate, it's an intimate space. Um, did you know that he was, I, did you know that he made music? He didn't at the time. He was not a producer. He was a trombone player. Yes. <laughs> That's impressive. No, it is. That trombone is hard. Like the breathing stamina to be a trombone player is impressive. I continue to be impressed with your knowledge of these things. <laughs> like most people are like, what is it? Which one is the trombone? Is that the long one? Yes. Well, I've been very fortunate in my lifetime to um, be in the graces of Trombone Shorty, not just as um, a performer, but getting to know him as, you know, like a, a friend over the years and um, a casual friend and acquaintance. And so I have seen, you know, his playing trombone multiple times and am always in awe. So I'm very impressed that he was a trombone player. And then another little like 
I maybe before it's like a past life of mine was actually starting off in music. So that's why I moved to LA initially. And let's just say like my trajectory with being signed to a major label and then like what that became was very different uh, than your experience. So that's why I'm just so enamored with what you guys have been able to do um, in this I would love run. to hear that, more about that. If, <laughs> if you haven't already like gone deep into it oh, with your no. audience. No, oh, I mean, it's a, there's always like something new to, to dig in, but that's where, I mean, so much of it is, I think being surrounded by really good people in any industry that you are in, but specifically in an art, artistic endeavor like other people who just get it and who can be a safe place and supportive but that's why I think it's so beautiful that you and your husband after all these Mm -hmm. years are still making music together and that really like it's something really magical happened and I do believe in songwriting soulmates I think often you can see if you really track some of your favorite musicians or bands or writers that there's usually someone that you can see consistently them writing like their best music with and it's not necessarily people always think soulmates as romantic partners but that's not always the case yes that it's not that at all exactly it's like I almost think it's more unique to you guys that you guys are actually like romantic soulmates as well so you meet you're you're macking it up with this hot (laughs) trombone player you know getting off your your wedding singer gig and then it what your gig your hot gig in town (laughs) (laughs) The <laughs> um, story is so ridiculous. And this is boom no, after so I came fantastic. from Nebraska. It's like, what's happening? He's from Maine. I'm from Nebraska. It's like, what are we doing in Boston? And we <laughs> we just we just start dating. It's like it's just a like you know how it is when you meet somebody that you're like, oh shit, we're about to do some shit together, like life shit. And yeah. it was like, he was moving too fast. I was moving too fast. We're actually, it's funny. We're talking about this this week on our podcast, House of Herbie, because we were like, oh, people should probably know the origin, the villain origin story of, you know, how we came <laughs> of, came to be. Um, but yeah, we started dating and we were like, wow, the recession hit. Do you remember like the 2009 recession with like, it was weird. It was like during Obama. Yes. And the housing crash. Yes. And there was weird, there's weird times. It was weird. But what's funny is I lived in this like make believe life at the time. So my version of the recession was I'd been dropped by my label that I was on. I um, basically was looking at my computer ready to like go back to Florida and go home because I was like, nothing's tracking. I just couldn't nothing was clicking. I felt like I just wasn't taken seriously by anyone. I would lost myself completely to the mercy of just like old dudes telling me what I should be in the world, essentially. Um, And then I got a call from like one of the great people that I had met in my experience in the music industry. And he was like, hey, do you need a job? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, you want to come be a backup singer for this Disney chick? And I was like, sure. By the way, (laughs) never been a backup singer. (laughs) Like, cannot hold a harmony. Like, it's not one of in my skill set at all. Um, But I was like, sure. Yeah, I can do that. I'm great at that. Um, And he's like, great. It's just this like little gig. It should be fun. Um, It was for Hannah Montana slash Miley Cyrus for the Best of Both Worlds tour. One of the biggest selling out tours in over a decade. So immediately you're on stage in front of Um, like 20,000, 18,000 people minimum every night. Yeah. 
just like with a glitter fo- with a faux hawk. That's incredible. And, and glitter. I got an eye infection from too much glitter once, you know, just really, <laughs> you know. I was just thinking about this today, like, because I've started to become very spiritual in my 30s. And now everything I'm like, OK, glitter, eye infection. OK, yes, the, the, the lights and the, the symbolism <laughs> is that, OK, I can see I can't see because there's so much glitter and it's infecting okay. so much gl- yep 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 no there were all deeper rooted meanings to all of it um but so that was my recession but yours obviously was very different exactly we started carmen we were like okay well we can't tour it's too expensive we don't even know where to begin so we, there was youtube and it was kind of in its infancy i mean it wasn't it was it was a few years in and it was like makeup gurus and all these people and a few musicians here and there justin bieber i think had just become popular on there And we started posting every week. So it's always been about consistency for us. We'll probably come back to that. But consistency is key. Doing little things every day was the secret for our success. I still think to this day that was it because all of all of you listening and and you, of course, are so talented. Um, Our biggest challenge as artists is to just like give it to the world on a regular basis because you also have to line up with like the energy of the collective and like you don't know when your lottery ticket is going to be the winner it's like we think of song drops still as like okay we're trying this we're trying this and every time you think this is going to be it and like every 10 or 12 times it is so we started posting on youtube and it was about 18 months in that we had one video went super viral and that was your cover of look at me now exactly i'm assuming yeah And that led you, how quickly were you on Ellen after that? Like four days. What? It was, it was one of the fastest, most viral. Again, remember this was YouTube in its infancy because, because nowadays you don't see this kind of virality from any one piece of content. And so it was, yeah, it was a very special moment. I remember I wasn't that spiritual back then, but I remember feeling like it was a divine, it was really incredible. So from releasing the cover on YouTube to signing a record deal with L.A. Reid, correct? Correct. Yeah. How long was that? That was probably 30 days, which is still really fast for a record deal. She fainted. Uh, We lost her. (laughs) And we met all the labels. We took all the meetings. We did all the things. And it was still a disaster at the end of the day, just because I think there's no sustainable way to manage something like this, right? I think we yeah. had, we were so green and thankfully L.A. Reid really invested in us and let us go when we asked him to be released from the label. He was kind enough to let us go. So I I don't have any regrets, but for a while I was mad. I was pretty angry. Angry about how quickly it had happened or just what the, because you were on the, you were on the label for what, five years if my memory? Exactly. And toured the world. Oh my God, we got to meet all of our supporters and listeners. And like, that was really, that was the best thing. They made Carmen worth it. And little did I know karma. I was like, Ooh, karma is such a cool word. (laughs) I was like, of course. My life path is like exactly in line with my astrology for some reason. And so I'm really grateful now, but there was a time when I was so angry. And I think that's when we started Queen Herbie. That was the next project. I was like, I'm going to be the solo artist and I'm going to write songs for women and we're going to fucking take over. I had so much energy built up from not being able to be my art, my full self on the label. When you reference 
anger. And I think to a lot of people, if you if for anyone listening who's not been part of the record label machine on on the, the optics from the outside are fantastic. They're like, what are you talking about? You got signed within 30 days to a major record label with an icon within the music industry. You got to tour the world. You made multiple records. You were, you know, topping the charts. Um, what what was from the optics on the outside couldn't have been more of the dream. So what was really going on behind the veil? I wish sometimes when I look at fan culture, I wish that they understood really, you know, what it was like. And I'm sure it was a bit of privilege too, of being like, well, I deserve better, uh, you know, but um, it was just a lot of, a lot of sort of uh, folks coming, people that you don't know coming in and saying, oh, I don't think you should do your hair like that anymore. And, you know, we're going to book you for a Saturday night live, but like, we have to get rid of your whole performance look and just hire somebody and change it. And it just makes you very uncomfortable. And then as a people pleaser, you start to do what people say to try to, you know, be a team player. And then after five years, you realize this is not at all what you had dreamed of as a little girl. And then you have to, you have to choose between yourself and this machine, so to speak. In the market for investment worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Yeah. 
And it's also specifically to women. It, it's the time that you're talking about. I know my experience during that time within the record industry was mostly surrounded by men and the women that I were around. It didn't feel as if they had any weight to, to they like that their word wasn't as listened to as much as like the other men in the room. Um, Cause I had a lot of that same thing. It was like, I, I changed my hair color. They didn't like my name. They didn't like, they wanted me to go be in a magazine, go be in a movie, go book a TV show. Um, <laughs> go. We want to see you on a carpet. We want to see you on the arm of some guy that's famous and get yourself in us weekly. Like that was hard. That was hard. Already being in a relationship, they were like, well, well, maybe you should cheat and then, you know, but pretend. And then it just became, you know, attack this other artist so that we can get a beef going so we can get attention. It just didn't feel authentic to me. I understand when people are living in that vibration, that works for them, but it doesn't work for everybody. And it's so specific to the time because this is also when like Us Weekly ruled. You know what I mean? Us Weekly like was the Bible of pop culture. And this was pre-Instagram. If you wanted to see what your celebrities were up to, if you wanted to see who was really paying their publicists well, you looked at Us Weekly to see Misha Barton pumping gas. And then you (laughs) knew she was relevant. She was on my mood board. I love yes. Yep. Yep. No, I definitely had her in a tank top at like I was like, I just want to look just like her on the OC 100 percent It was Gwen Stefani for me too. As soon as I was given a spot on the worst dressed list, I was like, oh, I made it because my girl Gwen was always on there. <laughs> oh, I brought in anything I could find that I was like, see, I'm I'm trying to do it. Um, but it's uh it was a 100% a different time when you also it was really difficult to have any control of your own narrative as far as being an artist within the world, which is different now, mm. you know, you, which obviously you can attest to. Um, but at that point, what was your breaking point when like when had it gone? Not necessarily too far, because it sounds like, you know, it wasn't the worst situation in the world as far as the people you were surrounded by. It was just more the erosion of your true self and and your why. You're like, why did I start this in the beginning? And um, and like, what was the breaking point for that? And and how Nick played a part in that as well. I'm in, I'm assuming having your partner there with you every step of the way. Absolutely. Wow. This is, I feel like this is a therapy session. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I needed this today. Yay. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Because, because we're coming around, we're coming around to a new chapter. It feels everything. I don't know about you, but it feels like everything is new. All of a sudden we're post panoramic and we're like, Oh shit. Well, who am I? What am I doing? Why am I doing it? And And I feel totally in alignment, but there is a lot shifting even right right now. Um, For example, labels are calling again. I don't know why it took five years of Queen Herbie and, you know, having a number one song in several international countries last year and, uh, you know, billions of streams for them to call. But here we are talking to labels again, and I have to like continue to work through some of the you store all the trauma in your body. And so if you do want to open to new opportunities and new chapters, like it's not going to be the same this time. If you were to sign a record deal tomorrow, you would have a completely different set of circumstances. And so I am still healing from that a little bit. And you're right. It was 
um, the betrayal of the self. It really came down to just me looking at myself and saying, oh, well, what, bitch, what do you want? Because you got, you got your money, you got paid and you're still not happy. That was like the most, it's cliche, but they always say money doesn't guarantee happiness. It's like, well, you kind of, sometimes you got to get it first to know that, but it's true across the board. Uh, and then we were like, wait, this is such a blessing in disguise because we do have a little bit of money saved. Now we could build something ourselves and own it all. And at the time it was perfect. It was like you, it was just the beginning of being able to distribute your own music and, and, um, you know, work with independent playlisters and hire your own radio team. Like you could do that. And it was just starting around the time Queen Herbie was born. Was letting go of Carmen somewhat tied into the business aspect of leaving a label and not being able to bring your masters with you? Or were you just like, I can't, I, we just need to refresh. We need to renew, restart. The second one. Okay. Yeah. I know. I, I was like, was that stupid? You know, everybody told me I was crazy to leave behind something that had so much investment and so much awareness but I just felt after recording the Queen Herbie music, I was like, this doesn't even sound anything like Carmen, you know, and now it's coming back to a point where we're getting a little more feisty and pop oriented in the music. It's still very hip hop inspired and R&B, but it was, it was just nice to be able to go back to my roots of what I grew up loving and listening to and try to create from there uh, before we then got back to a place where it made sense. So we joke about like, what if we feature Carmen in a song? <laughs> sample, <laughs> do you like a Carmen sample? Yeah. Right, right. So we still fully own the band, the name, the band, the act. Um, and actually we get our masters back in a couple years. That's incredible. Which is cool. We had a good, we did a, a good deal. It was, yeah, it was definitely a good deal. Was it leaving the label, which is already incredible that you guys were able to have a sh handshake, like goodbye, um, which just from listening to many interviews and reading many interviews of um, of yours and, and just Carmen in general, it, uh, it's consistent that it was a peaceful departure, which is really yeah. beautiful and unheard of usually. Was there a moment where you went, holy fuck, what did I just do? Because I don't know what I'm going to do next. Or were you like, sigh, this is, I'm ready. Like, let's just <laughs> roll into like, <laughs> were you emotionally prepared? <laughs> yes. And I, I do feel for anybody out there who's ever gone through a huge transformation or changed something, you know, move, even moving, they say is like as stressful as dying, you know, like moving to a yeah. new place is so, so, so yeah, leaving behind your identity, which once again, I was challenging my own identity. So I was ready to leave her in the dust. And that's what a lot of the Queen Herbie music ended up being about. Cause I realized that, um, I am naturally good at it. Not everybody is comfortable with it. When did you discover that? Did you know that early on? I didn't know. I, I never had been conscious of it until someone said, oh, you just like dyed your hair orange. It's like, yeah, just at home. Just it's fine. I can change it if I don't like it. You know, like things like that. That's a little thing. But there are some people that are so sensitive about their hairstyle or it's like it, I'm very comfortable changing my 
entire wardrobe. Like we'll just, we'll just get a whole new wardrobe. Um, started shopping secondhand lately, which is so fun because I have like all these weird vintage pieces now. And the more you self-discover, the more comfortable you get leaving behind things that were possibly programmed into you without your knowledge. Well, so it sounds like you're, you, you feel that you are confident within your own self-discovery as opposed to someone trying to discover something within you and be like, but this is what you are like that. And I think that that's the difference is when someone tries to reinvent themselves based off of what how someone else thinks they should be or how Mm. society is saying like this is the trend this is what's cool you know we all need um like now we need wide leg jeans now we need very skinny jeans now we need tall uggs now we need short uggs and like i can easily find myself hook line and sinker sometimes being like well fuck now i gotta go get a new pair of jeans because these just don't work anymore for my for me conforming to society but it sounds like you hit a point where you've truly been able to master looking inward and and exploring your self-transformation from that point did that come with age did that come with separating from the label when did you discover you had that ability and were able to lean into it girl it was going to be when I visited an astrologer I was like so skeptical oh this is going to be so silly whatever it was a birthday gift I'll just go you know, and this man proceeded to tell me my whole life and validated all the feelings I was having. And I, I was like, damn, this is, and when you look at the mountain in front of you, you're like, wait, I have so much healing to do. I have so much, um, deprogramming. Like I have to pick out, you, you do have to become somewhat spiritual or somewhat woo woo in order to start self healing, because our society doesn't support that either. I mean, they want you to change out your genes. It serves but now, you know, the earth is dying, we we probably shouldn't change the genes so frequently, you know, there's, there's a, once again, sustainability comes up for me, I love that word. But it's like, what is something that's going to feel good to me forever? And we know that change is inevitable. It's inevitable, we are eventually going to want the bell bottoms. But yeah, it was an astrology reading that really pointed this out to me that I was comfortable and that I was, I basically came to this planet to do this, to show people that, look, you can rewrite your whole life and choose your path. And thus Queen Herbie was born. Um, But once again, just because once we, uh, it doesn't mean that there's not another whole group of uphill battles to kind of uh, read, to learn more about ourselves. And uh, what was the first, let's just start, what was like the first thing you put out for Queen Herbie where you were like, yes, like I'm clocked in, this is it, I got, it's not like experimental, you just were really like you knew, oh, I found her. Mm. So looking at this mountain in front of me of all these programs of what I thought I was and all the like little steps I needed to take to rediscover who I was, I was like, wow, this is fun. This is now a new project, which I love new projects. I, the first thing I unpacked was why do I feel like I can't have expensive, nice things? Where does that come from? Is that a Nebraska leftover? And the answer was yes. In Nebraska, you know, we would never step foot in the Gucci store. I'm not speaking for everybody from Nebraska, but like your typical uh, average Nebraska farmer 
raised family vibe, Christian vibe is very modest. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful culture of modesty, uh, people pleasing in order to be helpful and be of service. Such a great, I'm so happy I was raised there. But when I realized that we were afraid to go into the Gucci store and like grab a fur coat and try it on, I was like, let's start there. Let's start with the self-worth that I'm lacking, right? Let's work on this codependency. Let's start to develop this real true confidence that I've always wanted. And so I, I went to the Gucci store and it was like an awakening. I mean, I'm so inspired by fashion, but like the artistry, it felt like I was in an art museum that you could shop, you know, like the, and wear. it was like so inspiring. So I came home and wrote the song Gucci which is the first song. And this is when I was like, oh man, we can't, this is not Carmen. This is somebody else. This is a new character. This is my higher self. And basically what you're trying to do, this is like my transformation hack. You, you kind of like feel where you're trying to go. And I say higher self, cause it feels like she's sort of like standing above you, like, come on, bitch, let's go. And you, you just do little things every day to like meet her. In in the beginning, I even spoke to her. I spoke of her in third person and, um, I took like one acting lesson and the acting coach was like, you need to stop. You need, she is you. You don't need to say her anymore. So it took me, you know, several years to get to the point where now I do call myself queen when I introduce myself to people or what have you. Your grandfather was a pastor as well. That's right. right? And I feel like that's very embedded and like, I mean, of course it's, you know, coming from any sort of, um, adult relative that is a pastor or leader of the church, it's usually, you know, not showing off things that you have. And it's humble and manners and kind of staying quiet. And, you know, just real, there's right and there's wrong. Um, I'm also just laughing to myself right now, because I still like I never go into a Gucci store. Like I, if I had to try on something like that was Gucci, which I own, like, a pair, like even I just bought myself a pair of Prada loafers. They were they were my like my present to myself this year. I always like to do like birthday presents to myself. And I um, but I did not go into the Prada store. No, 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 no. I will go to like a Nordstrom's or something. And then, you know, that's my safe place. But I walk past the Prada store like it's a museum. Exactly. Like it's a museum that I'm not allowed into. Like it's a club and I'm definitely not on the list. And my fake ID looks too trashy, you know, and I'm not going to get in. <laughs> Um, so that's hilarious that at 35. Life hack, Life hack <laughs> yes. Go in. Next time you walk by a luxury store, girl, you need to walk in there and be like, what is this? Is oh this God. a new season or not? How how much is, <laughs> is this? And just touch everything and just feel because this is this is the top of the it's top so, of the top. And you deserve so it. And I know. It doesn't cost so anything silly. to go in and act like a rich bitch. I'm not doing anything wrong. It makes me feel like I'm sorry. I won't like I'm in exactly like I'm in a museum. I'm also one of those jerks that if I don't buy something when I after <laughs> yeah. I'm leaving a store, I'm like, I'm so sorry. I like keep my head down and I'm like, oh God, I didn't steal anything. I did nothing wrong. Do they know Just me from out. TV? This is uh yeah. They're going to tell people about this. They're going to tell people that I just ran out of the store without buying something like some human. Um, like you yeah. owe it. Like you owe it to them. Like, like, you, like them we something. are just yes. like we didn't just give Prada and Gucci so much free promo. I know. <laughs> just, yeah. it's they like, are the most comfortable shit. loafers I've ever had. I know. I, I love them. I paid every dime for them and I will wear them in my casket. I love them. I will have Period. them forever. That was literally the lyric. Bury me in Gucci was the lyric. Yeah. Isn't that funny? <laughs> that That's was hilarious. the energy that we see you right on, 
on with that. Yes. Well, okay. So then you found her. You and then you also embodied. You're like, no, no, no. Not only have I met Queen Herbie, I am Queen Herbie. Here I am. Uh, which also came with a lot new learning curves. With Carmen, you were kind of more. Uh, is it safe to say that you were molded into certain, you know, genres of pop? Um, For sure. Encouraged, directed into more of a pop genre, even though you obviously, you know, really got your first big, you know, sonic boom with a cover of Chris Brown. You were rapping at an insane speed, which is, wow, mind-blowing and such like a talent and a gift. And then... Um, now here, here you are with Queen Herbie, you're finding yourself being able to lean into a lot of your favorite, you know, musical, like the the first kind of records that you listen to. I've heard you talk so much about like Brandy and, mm-hmm. you know, other records that you loved from that time, R&B and rap and, you know, getting gifted chronic, you know, for the first time from your boyfriend when you were young and then just like having it as your little secret and learning all these raps as like this girl in Nebraska, like white girl in Nebraska. So much shame. Still, I was so worried, you know, that it wouldn't, I wouldn't be accepted or I knew that my parents were not anything with a parental advisory was off limits. Oh, yeah. No, I remember uh, just trying to like hide them with like being like, no, no, look at my pogs over here. Ignore my records. <laughs> Be distracted by my pogs and beanie babies. While I just slip these CDs. <laughs> we do what we can, you know. We do what we can, yeah. The pogs are harmless. Um, They're harmless. Although one of my pogs, girl, one of my pogs had a yin-yang symbol on it. Yes. Which was I was like heavy. It was the slammer. The slammer. Yes. <laughs> and my grandma was like, that's the sign of the devil. And we had to get rid of the slammer. Okay. No, very- you work so hard for a slammer. That's though you have to have a slammer in order to slam the pogs. And how cool that that's like the the yin yang is such such a spiritual woo woo symbol. Yes. I'm like, oh, man, like now I have a sweater with it. Like I'm obsessed. So it's really <laughs> interesting. Again, these symbols, everything has meaning, y'all. That's hilarious. Um, well, you, so you start, you know, leaning in more to you finding yourself like rapping more and leaning more into R&B. What were all of a sudden you found yourself like leaning into this like really positive trajectory of um, self-exploration that, I mean, there's no like casual way to jump into the realization. I think you would find on, you know, kind of your creative process of trying to learn what the line was of creating from yourself and what you're inspired by, and then also recognizing cultural appropriation, which I think a lot of people, especially like white people particularly, have been on a, um, a journey uh, to say very lightly, um, you know, for years now of trying to fi- like go, oh, holy shit. Yeah, I guess that is cultural appropriation and uh, and how mm. you continue to make art through that. Absolutely. Well, at first, I will tell you it was terrifying because I, uh, like a lot of white people, had a lot of internalized bias and fragility. So the, one of the first things I did, and this was way too late, by the way, this is already after like working with black creatives and just being in the, in the culture, so to speak, at least the LA culture. Cause again, I grew up listening to chronic Dr. Dre. I mean, that is like one of the most definitive sounds of West coast, West coast rap, in my opinion. Um, so I came out here not knowing anything and not being in the culture and then like fully immersing myself in it with no, with like, with abandon. I mean, I, I, 
didn't even try to explain to my audience either, like what I was doing. And, um, I think it was especially during the black lives matter movement that really kind of, um, peaked, what was it two summers ago that I started grabbing a bunch of books. I was like, well, I love reading. I'm on this path of discovery anyway. Let me just really dig into what this is and why do I feel so uncomfortable, you know, talking about it and acknowledging it. And, um, I always say who inspires me, but there is a lot more work to be done than just, you know, being a white person in making black art and, there's just so much more that we can do. So that was a huge help for me was the Robin D'Angelo white fragility. Um, I love Layla F. Saad. She has one called uh, me and white supremacy, which actually has journaling prompts. So you get to go through that. And then I had some conversations with my friends and family and, and, um, and continue to this day to unpack what that is and make sure that we're not crossing the line because there's a few moments where folks did speak up and say, Queen, this is feeling like you're, you're being appropriative. And I took all that to heart and I learned and I always want to be doing better. So I think that's my best answer for folks out there who are like me, who love black art and love the culture. It is really important to be prepared for feedback to come in, be accepting of it and be ready to learn and to do better. 
interviews that the consistency of which you've been able to turn inward and go like, okay, this is, I need to look inward and what I can, and starting with myself, as opposed to looking outward and being like, okay, Mm -hmm. world, tell me what I'm supposed to think, tell me what I'm supposed to do. And, um, and being able to, to uh, continue to create this, you know, wonderful, magical uh, space of art and music and, you know, character and caricature and, and, you know, you know, design with what you wear and how you make your music videos. And um, as opposed to just letting it stop you, you, you humbly uh, showed up to go, okay, I can, I can learn and I can look inward and I can also grow from this and my art can grow from this as well. Absolutely. And it always, I mean, I would still say to this day, the reason that I became a music artist and a singer and a rapper was all my favorite black artists growing up. I am also so impressed that after all of these years, you and your husband, I mean, it's, you've not only, I mean, you're not only like married, and you've been through this giant, like, you know, fame, rise of fame, you know, change up and like trajectory of where you guys are going next. Um, but you continue to create music together. You know, I, everyone always wants to be like, what's the secret sauce to that? What it, but it's more, what do you recognize now that is so beautiful about the way that you guys work together that is so different about the way you guys are together in a relationship and vice versa? I will say, going back to our conversation about songwriting soulmates, I do think there's like Roger and Hammerstein, like there's people's souls that are just meant to be here to create art together. And we knew that we had that from the very beginning. It took a while because again, I came up listening to like hip hop R&B and he grew up listening to like rock and like musicals. So there's like this really interesting fusion happening. And we, we both obviously, I think later than he fell in love with hip hop R&B and I fell in love with rock and musicals. I was like, oh, wow. So it's, it's, um, it's not recommended that everyone have a romantic partner that they also create and work with. I, I don't think it does work for everyone. And there's couples out there who are just as magical, just being a couple and loving each other. Cause that's really, I had a dream last night where I looked at him and I was like, all this other stuff aside, all that matters is being together. Like really, if you can be and just exist with someone and enjoy your movie together and have this experience. It's so incredible. So we're lucky to have had that. And then uh, if you can make art, that is really special. When you're able to finally take the reins of your own creative destiny, what is, uh, what is the part of it that, (laughs) that you don't see on, you know, on Spotify or on Instagram or on TikTok that I think a lot of people need to remember and realize when they are in the thick of creating themselves. What you put on Spotify and and out into the world is like the 18th or 300th draft of what you originally pulled in from like your higher self or from your muse or from source or from God or goddess or whatever you want to call it. Because man, it's your art will will go through so many phases. And uh, I forget who said this quote, but they said art is never great art is never finished. And so you do have to choose a time to put it out. And so one of our episodes of our podcast the other week was just about starting up. How do you just drop? Because we are such perfectionists. We have this 
you can see it in your mind and then now like translating that into the real world into something you can put on Spotify. What's the artwork? What's the mix? Is the drum, is the kick drum too loud? Is it, what, how are we going to promote it? Now there's this whole other layer of like, how do we put it on TikTok and Instagram reels? And how do we make short form vertical content that people can relate to and interact with and engage um, that has such a huge impact on the performance of a record? So this is all great art is never finished. So I think that's, that's my advice there is, um, just make sure you drop it at some point. <laughs> and is that going back to what is it? The compound effect. And I know that's mm -hmm. based off of a, a book that you read, correct? That yes. Uh, is that Darren Hardy? Yeah. Somebody wrote the compound effect. It's a really short read and it's just, I remember crying in the beginning cause he, he talks about this person that ate a cookie every day, just one cookie but like slowly his health deteriorated and then his marriage deteriorated. It's like, oh my God, it's too much. But the book is incredible because that obviously if you just switched out the cookie for like a carrot or something else you're, and go to the gym and, you know, um, do 10 minutes of focused writing or whatever your, whatever your passion is, that also can compound into a wonderful existence. So I love the compound effect because it is, um, takes the pressure off of also, trying to do your whole dream in one day. You, you do have time. There's no rush. And once you start trusting the universe to shit gets way easier. You're like, oh, girl, today I'm just going to sit around and watch uh, TV shows because I feel like shit. But you're actually in that time giving yourself uh, the space and the grace to relax and have new ideas flow, better ideas. Did uh, the meeting with the astrologer that you mentioned earlier, is that when you really kind of shifted into what is considered like new age or just? Um... Right. We I say woo woo because I know I'm the biggest skeptic out here. Yes. I hate it as much as the next person that hates all these words. And the, even the word spirituality like gives me like a tweak. Um, because again, I was raised Christian. I'm like, I don't know, you know, and, and but I knew that wasn't hitting for me either. It wasn't making sense. It was too vague. I was like, I need realistic terms. How do I have a feeling of meaning in my life? And how do I find my soul? And how do I speak to her? And what are we doing here? Um, so it was the astrology visit that opened that whole um, can of worms. And then over time, I became interested. And then I went through an anger period of, you know, why didn't anybody tell me this before? What's all this other stuff? Who's Buddha? He seems to know a lot of shit. And it's just like anger and research and learning. That's one of my greatest skills too, is the hunger and the curiosity to know. I love to learn. I'm like, please tell me I'm wrong so that I can discover more. And I think if you're always willing to do that, it's life is really fun. But it was a it was a rabbit hole of astrology, um, numerology, um, human design is another one that's popular. I haven't gone too deep into it. Um, lately, it's been Reiki, which is like energy work. And um, I went to see someone for because I was like, what am I doing all these aura cleanses on Instagram? I don't even know what I'm talking about. So I got certified, you know, I got my really? level two Reiki, I can send you uh, healing energy, you know, I've been trained to do it now, but I didn't understand like wh what all this stuff was until I dug into it. And, um, as, as, as long as you feel it's true for you, I think that's the key. I was like, Oh, I, I totally fuck with this. I get it.
Well, so much of it is also just stopping being present and tuning in to like dropping into yourself, you know, really rooted in that. I mean, it's funny, your scroll, like stop scrolling videos on Instagram for anyone that doesn't follow you. um, First of all, do it because it's you're fantastic on all social platforms. Um, But also you have these great videos where you're like, stop scrolling. And you do these, you've got like incense or, you know, like, and then you're just like, you know, you, you basically just remind the person watching you to breathe. And it's so Hmm. great. And I find myself doing it all the time when I come across your videos and I feel so much better. Um, So I I genuinely feel them working. I think they're fantastic. Uh, Does it help you kind of stop to breathe a little bit as well? I mean, I know we're all just also trying to crush that content, but. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) I know lately it's all I've been posting because we're working on the new music and we just shot a video and it's, wow, it's always flowing in and out of stuff. And I was like, but I have so much more to offer than just bops too. I love, I do love making content. Um, How do you balance then including like, I mean, a lot of the elements of like woo woo and spirituality also can be kind of drained by technology. Like do, how do you kind of step away from the screen? What do you do Mm. to tune into yourself in a world that is obsessed with, uh, social media and the things that we kind of have to play a role in a little bit in the creative process. I was just thinking about this today. I was like the number one enemy of productivity and creativity is like scrolling on your phone. So I like to reframe this if I may. So you have two modes, right? You have two modes of being. You can either be a consumer of content, which is wonderfully helpful. But even if you're an artist and creative, it doesn't mean I never scroll. I never look at anyone else's doing. I just do my own shit. It's important for you to see and to engage with your community and to vibe with your tribe and and see what people are doing and also receive joy from that funny video of the raccoon, like coming out of the storm shell. Like it's important to do these things because it, it inspires joy. It gives your vibe. It raises your vibration. Now there are some things to be aware of when you're in this, we're still on mode one where you're consuming content. If something gives you any negative vibes, you probably just unfollow, right? Or just mute that account so that it doesn't affect you negatively because this is, this takes a little self-regulation and practice, but it's important for you to really refine your feed. If you want to be, successful creatively and still be a part of the world. And then, um, we have mode number two, which is creation mode. Put your damn phone down. If you can't be on it, sorry, like give yourself one hour a day of focused productivity. Like you will be amazed at what compounds from that. I had to get a box like a box where I put my phone in it. There's no lock, but it's just there. You know, it's like, do what you need. I love a box. I had to put it in a box like a child. Um, What does, I mean, what I'm, again, I just, I'm really in awe in your creative, um, in your creative journey. I know journey is like such an overused word, but just kind of like following your career. It's uh, inspiring and it's really beautiful. And especially as someone who had a my own personal experience with the music industry. Uh, I I think I'm still maybe holding on to some anger 
you know, all these years later is what I'm discovering a little bit, even just, you know, it's hard for me to even enjoy like singing, you know, it's I try to take like some lessons. And I just like, basically broke out in hives and like cried and like couldn't sing it turned I turned into like, you know, Brian from the Backstreet Boys documentary, one of my favorite music documentaries. I don't know if you've seen it, but I think you should. Of course I have. Oh my gosh. It is the best. The best thing. I it's think so every... honest. I was not ready. Yes. No. No. And we all need a Kevin in our life. We, we do. We all need a Kevin <laughs> in our life. Exactly. Well, um, first of all, you're doing amazing. Even even signing up for a voice lesson and facing that. Uh, I don't even want to call it fear because you're obviously not afraid. Um, but you just stored a bunch of shit in your body. And that's what the breakouts and stuff. It happens to me too. I'm so sensitive to my skin. I'm like, oh, what? I had like hives the other day. I was like, cool, what's bothering me? It yeah. has nothing to do with anything else. So um, good job. That's a, great, I mean, that's a great step. I quit very quickly. And so now I need to get back into it. So, but it, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sign up for vocal lessons. I'm going to go try in a Gucci jacket in the Gucci store. You know, I've, I've got like a whole list of things to do. Um, but looking at, um, at your levels of success at varying points in your career, what did success mean to you when you, when you guys were in Carmen? And what does success mean to you as Queen Herbie? Ooh, success in Carmen, which was, wow. 2010, 12, something like this. As a long, we're like 10 years out. Last decade, success for me was um, the acceptance of my family and my peers thinking that I was doing good. And this included like buying a big house. And I found out later I didn't even want a big house. I was like, wait, this is not my vibe. I, I need to be in the city in a loft and like, oh, and just be, you know, this crazy artist chick. So 10 years ago, it was definitely the approval of others and success now, 10 years later, lots of experience under my belt. Success is waking up and feeling excited for what I'm going to do in the day and having complete freedom to do that and create. Sometimes it still gets stressful. Don't get it twisted because you're like, well, I got to pay my bills. and da, da, da. But I live at my, I live below my means. I'm like very... Um, you find out too, having expensive things maybe doesn't matter. Even though you go to the Gucci store, you don't need to buy anything. It's not even about that. Um, I bought a couple things, um, but there, I, I find that I don't even need them. And so it's very liberating now and, and I still have a lot to learn. So I think that's a nice uh, point of healing too, to be like, oh, wow, I definitely don't know everything, still don't. Um, but it's nice to wake up and make my own decisions and paint my whole loft purple and, you know, do weird design things and then make weird TikToks and write songs for you. I think it's at this point and like being in your 30s, it's such a relief when you finally realize like, oh, I'm not supposed to know everything. Like, actually, I don't want to know everything because then I get to just keep learning and keep growing and keep getting better. And it's okay. And give myself permission to, uh, to really experience life in all the ways I'm supposed to, even if they're not uh, perfect, or the optics of them aren't in align with what society is expecting me to be. And find you a group of friends that is just as curious and just as excited and willing to walk into the Gucci store with you. 
and be rude to the salespeople. No, don't be rude. They're really nice. They're so nice at the Gucci store. Um, yeah. Surround yourself with people that you want to be like, right? So as you cleanse your social media timeline, also cleanse your friend circles, make sure you're not hanging out with people that drain you. I mean, this was also, oh, didn't even touch on any of that. It's hard. It's so many lessons to be learned. And after you get over the sadness and stop breaking out in hives, you're like, okay, cool. So I just need to pick people that are going to lift me up rather than tear me down. This is a, a new thing. Well, your music definitely lifts me up and has been lifting me up uh, all summer long. And I can't wait to hear what you've got coming up for all of us, including your podcast, Queen or House of Herbie. House of Herbie. Uh, I am loving it. Um, I also, speaking of a kind of cleansing, I also, it's more of like a calm down, like a little palate cleanser to the, the podcast episode. I like to end each episode with like five little things about our guest. And it's, uh, it starts with, um, thumbs up something that you like. Mm, something I like, um, iced coffee. Same, same. Are you a cold brew gal or like iced coffee gal? I think it's considered, I, well, it's Nespresso. I, I always buy their okay. little capsule things because they mm -hmm. recycle, which is nice. And it's, oh, that the taste nice. is amazing. Okay. All right. Um, I'm interchangeable. I could go either way, but I have to. I <laughs> only drink cold coffee all year round. Right? Um, yes. What is wrong with us? I don't know. I'm, I'm confused by hot coffee people now. I'm like, <laughs> why are they not? I had, we have the ability to make ice now. Like they couldn't do that See? back then. That, there you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> something that you know. I know that everything is going to be okay. Something that you hate. Mm. Hate the patriarchy. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Bums something, me out. Something that you love. Mm. And, and we know that like our significant others are like, fan, you know, but something outward, like outside of the usual suspects. Yeah. I would say I love my listeners. And a quirky little fact about you. Mm. I was thinking about this the other day. Something came up and I was like, huh, nobody knows this. What was it? See, always this one on the spot. I should like get it tattooed on my body. <laughs> this is the best question. And I'm like, damn it. Cause what you think is weird, right? Mm. I don't even think it's weird. And I was like, oh, I should tell people this. What was it? Is it like a get, like something that you do that no one? I feel like it is. is it your party trick? Do you have a party trick? Well, it was speed wrapping. Just kidding. Um, I mean, no. Um, I mean, maybe because your audience might not know this about me, but I do all my own like hair and makeup wardrobe for all my visuals, and I edit all my videos, and I do. Maybe they knew that, but it's kind of interesting. That is interesting. And it's a lot of fucking work. It's a lot of work. I was here steaming outfits for this video. Like, what am I doing? What, I think it's time. I think it's time yeah. to hire people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not the same, but I, yeah, I have no fingerprints left basically from making this flower wall behind me. That it's is, you know, so gorgeous. Thank I'm, you. Thank you. What's hot glue? How do you do this? Hot glue, um, a, a tarp and uh, a, way too much money at like Joanne's 
and I know they always Steinmark. say like you could just buy a flower wall or we could spend ten thousand dollars at the craft store <laughs> yes yes I saved maybe a couple hundred dollars and just okay. some dignity some just a little bit of dignity but um no, but you didn't was, pay yourself for the time so they <laughs> no you know and that's what but you know it was really it was character building really it's one you know. of a kind too nobody has yeah, that flower nobody wall. and nobody ever will I will be laying on it in my Prada loafers in my coffin <laughs> oh god just in all my glory yeah i love it but you won't die because you're a vampire exactly i'll live forever and because i drink cold coffee like a sane human yes exactly. um queen herbie thank you so much for gracing us with your presence um everybody go listen to house of herbie and uh i i'm just thank you for living allowing me to live out my fangirl dreams i can't I wait to just hear what you got coming out for me to such a such a treat so nice to chat with you and hit me anytime for any reason adore you this has been a super boom podcast hosted by me Candace King produced by Melissa D. Montz and Diamond and Print Productions post-production sound by Chris Henry and advertisement partnerships with ACAST